0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. at PG-13. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli. I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids pta meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky i never win and tell well there you have it you could get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details hey if you've had a bladder leak today listen up Welcome to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Now, for your host, Dan Mater. Welcome back, MD Nation! As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we have the final episode of the Week 9 Recap for you guys today. And of course, at the end of the show, we have the Waiver Wire Report, which we all look forward to because it signals the ending of one week, the beginning of a new week, A new week is a new season with a new chance for a new opportunity, and that's what it's all about heading into the new week. Put everything behind you, win or loss, doesn't matter. I say this every single week to try to remind you guys to reboot. Doesn't matter how much you won by, doesn't matter how much you lost by, it's now time to try to get your team better this week going into week 10 now. We're four games away from the playoffs, everybody month away. One month away from the fantasy playoffs. One month away from what it is all about to give yourselves a chance to win the championship and be able to beat your friends. Beat them down. That's what we're here for. That's what the MD Nation all is here to help you get through and be able to brag and win the money or whatever the case may be. The trophy. That's what it's all here for. And it starts with this episode. It starts with recapping the Sunday night and the Monday Night Football game and going over the waiver wire segment, which isn't going to be too beefy today, but there's some key guys on there that we are definitely going to be talking about. And before we get into all that, we actually are going to have a latest news segment for you guys today because there's more injury news that came out during this afternoon on Monday. Remember, like I said, we record this Monday night. That way you guys can get this pretty early on Tuesday, wait till about after the Monday night game, finish off the podcast, but we record this Monday night. So for a Monday, we actually got more injury news than we normally do. So I am going to have a latest news segment before we kick off the recap for the Sunday night football and the Monday night football games. So that way you guys have a good understanding of what you're looking for starting tomorrow night when most waiver wire periods begin. So we're going to hit that latest news drop and get right into it. Latest news. So the latest news segment today just is some injuries that came out on Monday that don't normally come out. So we don't usually do this, especially for our recap episodes, because we usually don't know the nature of injuries until later on Tuesdays or Wednesdays, which is what we go over in the preview episode on Thursday. But we had some key ones come out today that I think we should talk about right away before your waiver wires are up and running. Starting off with Deshaun Jackson, he looks like he's going to be done for the rest of the year. No real surprise, right? Because we kind of figured this after he got injured, re-injured in the first quarter of this game and never came back in. It kind of felt like one of those scenarios where the injury either was not ready to go, was not healed up from, or he he made it worse. And it was already an injury that kept him out for about eight weeks as it was. It was really no surprise to me that suddenly it came out. You need to have surgery. You need to shut it down for the rest of the season, or at least the rest of the fantasy season. Now, they like said it's actually a four to six week injury with the surgery now. So, if the Eagles were to make the playoffs, we could still see Deshaun Jackson this year. But for the fantasy purposes, he's essentially done. Maybe, maybe there's a somewhat chance he comes back in the middle of the playoffs. Or maybe he could be a pickup then. But for right now, if you need to create a roster spot, if you can't stash him, you don't have an IR situation, you can go ahead and drop Deshaun Jackson. There's really nothing to hold you back at this point. One of the surprising injuries that we had to talk about today was Le'Veon Bell. He had an MRI on his knee. We don't know any details. He seemingly got through all four of his, four quarters of the game perfectly fine. He had 25 touches. He went over 100 yards from the scrimmage. Didn't seem hindered throughout the game. Didn't seem hindered at the end. So we're not exactly sure when this injury got picked up, but whatever's bothering him, it's enough for him to get an MRI, and that's all we know. We have no details whatsoever outside of that, but just something to keep in mind. Hopefully, it's nothing major, especially with the schedule that he has coming up. I mean... We've been getting really excited about Le'Veon Bell and his prospects moving forward. He's been one of a top trade candidates of this show moving forward because of the next you know six weeks starting from last week of games that he had in front of him. So hopefully he's not gonna wind up missing the easiest part of his schedule now. But we'll wait to see exactly what the nature of it is. Right now, there has been too many reasons to have too much of a red flag, too much cause or concern at the moment, being that we didn't see him actually get hurt throughout this game. So we're just waiting to see exactly what's going on. Maybe he's just a little bit nicked up and they're just being more overly cautious than they necessarily have to be. Hopefully that's the case. We're not going to know more about that until probably later on Tuesday. So maybe by the time you're listening to this podcast, we'll know more then. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at MDSFFshow. I will have those player update news notifications for you, I mean, throughout the week and every day, as I always try to make sure you guys are as updated as possible. But that's definitely something we'll be keeping our eye on for sure. Uh, So just kind of keep that in mind. For those of you wondering, Josh Gordon was cleared for practice, so he's actually looking like he's going to practice in full and possibly play on Monday. We're all still very eager to hear about the practice reports, maybe get to see some videotape, try to get an idea of exactly what his role is going to be. Is he going to step in and start for DK Metcalf right off the bat? It's hard to believe after what DK Metcalf has been able to do as a rookie receiver so far, but remember, there are other aspects of the game outside of the production he's been able to put up that maybe they're looking for out of Josh Gordon. That's why they're bringing the vet in. Yet to to be seen. Yet to be seen. But it is a situation worth monitoring for sure. For sure. Uh, There's some word that James Conner is not 100% sure if he'll be able to come back this week like originally thought. They're not 100% sure about Adam Thielen coming back in week 10 after re-aggravating his injury on Sunday. So there's two injuries right there you're going to have to keep our eyes on throughout the entire week. Uh, Another one, the big one, of course, Patrick Mahomes. Right now... The plan had all along had been for him to return in Week 10. They came out right away today and said that he's trending in the right direction. So if he puts on a full practice any day this week, I think you can pretty much lock it up and guarantee Patrick Mahomes is going to be back out there. That seems to be the way the tea leaves are pointing for him. So look for him to be back this week as well. So yeah, I just wanted to get that out there because we had a lot of injury news updates today Like we don't normally get that on Monday. So it was kind of nice to see, kind of get a jump start on some of these guys that you're really counting on for your fantasy teams, whether directly or indirectly. We're going to take the break now. Come back on the other side, Kick, get it kicked off with the Sunday Night Football Recap. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become the newest member of the Belly Up Sports Network. The Belly Up Sports Network is a rising star in the sports industry. After having emerged onto the scene in just a year, they have accrued a massive following with bold articles, standout podcasts, and great debate amongst followers in the forums. Sign up for their newsletter and get access to all of the information throughout the Belly Up Sports Network. Go to bellyupsports.com today to join. Be bold and stand out. The Patriots are finally not undefeated. And then there was one. One referring to, of course, the San Francisco 49ers that they are the last undefeated team in the NFL now. My team, by the way. Just a little side note there. But, New England Patriots are dealt their first loss by the Baltimore Ravens who came out ready to go in this bye week. Came out with a great game plan. Were able to dominate them physically. 37-20 to in Baltimore. Absolutely great game by them. And it showed us a lot about Baltimore both of these teams, frankly. Now, look, I didn't predict the Patriots to lose to the Baltimore Ravens. I'm not going to try to say that. But what I did say was that in a losing effort on the Brown side last week in week eight, they gave us a blueprint. They gave everyone a blueprint of what you can do against New England Patriots. What we know you can't do is turn over the ball because their, their team, their defense is getting turnovers at a clip we've never seen before. It's historic. But what you can do against this team is you can physically beat them up. You can run over them, run through them. Those are all things that you can do. That's what we look to have seen. That's what we were looking for in this game. The Ravens' strength is running the football. Would they be able to implement their strength against what was clearly the Patriots' weakness? Because remember, while Nick Chubb fumbled twice, he still had 20 carries for 132 yards in that game. So this is a game in which I expected the Ravens to come out and be able to run the ball. The question was going to be, would that be enough to actually win this game? And what wound up happening is, and we'll get to fantasy purposes in a second, but it's important. The Patriots didn't play defense the way I expected them to. I expected them to come into this game and their number one game plan be to keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket at all costs. Spy him, blitz from the outside, keep contain. That's what I was looking for. That wasn't their game plan. In fact, it kind of looked like the Patriots didn't bother to switch up what they have been doing this entire time. Now, on one hand, who can blame them? Because their defense had been so good up until this point. But on the other hand... They're New England Patriots. They are expected to game plan, be game plan specific every single week, no matter who they're playing. They didn't do that this week. And you know, that's on me. As as a ranker, as an ex as a guy who claims to try to be an expert and try to lead the way and try to give you guys the best information and the best possible advice I possibly can. I had Lamar Jackson ranked as number 17 quarterback. Now he didn't do anything through the air. Only 163 yards, one passing touchdown, but he didn't turn over the ball. And he had two rushing touchdowns in this game. Ran for 61 yards. And the reason is it while I stand behind the logic of why I was concerned, the reason it's still my bad is because the guy who's the number one quarterback in fantasy purposes, you shouldn't bench him no matter what defense he's playing against. That's he's number one quarterback in fantasy for a reason. He shows you why here. The two rushing touchdowns is what gives him a great fantasy day. 61 rushing yards. I guess he didn't do anything through the air. To be expected. But he didn't turn over the ball. That was the big key. He did not turn over the ball. That is the key to being New England Patriots. Being able to run the football and don't turn it over. And they actually did turn it over on special teams, but not on the offense. Mark Ingram had a big game in this one. 15 carries, 115 yards. Didn't have a rushing touchdown. Did tack on two catches for 29 yards, giving him 17 touches. Gus Edwards was the guy who had the rushing touchdown in this game. Because Edwards was also stuffed at one point. They went for it on fourth down. That's how Lamar Jackson got one of his rushing touchdowns, but they keep putting Gus Edwards in on these weird situations where Mark Ingram is tearing up the field between the 20s on a drive, has the hot hand, and then suddenly in the most important situation of the drive, a third and four, when they try to run it, a goal line situation, all of a sudden Gus Edwards comes into the game out of nowhere. It's really kind of annoying. I'm not even a Mark Ingram owner in any of my leagues really too much. I have been a big Mark Ingram proponent all year long, though. And I really find it annoying that they keep bringing Gus Edwards in these situations. That makes absolutely no sense when Mark Ingram is just completely dominating. The one guy who's definitely an afterthought coming out of the bye in this game was Justice Hill. Three carries, seven yards. He's not a factor. So as long as he continues to not be a factor, Mark Ingram has a healthy floor as far as touches go. He's, he's going to look at 15 to 18 touches total. That's about what he's going to be. So as long as he continues to get that in this offense, more times than not, he's going to have high-end RB2 production. He'll take the 100 yards in this one. The receiving game, look, there wasn't much to like in the passing game. There wasn't. Marquise Brown came back, three catches, 48 yards. You weren't expecting him to do much in this game. It was more of what could he do for everybody else around him. More specifically, it was more what could he do for Mark Andrews, who was not involved really. Two catches, 21 yards on three targets. Nick Boyle was the one who was more involved in the passing game, surprisingly enough. The guy who's usually the main blocker of the three tight ends. Five catches, 27 yards, a touchdown on five targets. Better days are ahead for Mark Andrews. I know he's been a little bit disappointing as of late, but look. Here's a couple things to remember about him. He's been banged up for most of the year, and he's been able to perform while injured. He's as healthy as he's been all season long. Marquise Brown is back. They're not going to face a defense like the New England Patriots again this season, unless they play the Patriots in the playoffs, but by then you're not going to care. And when Marquise Brown back, it should go back to opening up things in the middle. He's still the number one targeted pass catcher on the Baltimore Ravens team. So, what I'm saying to you is that all the numbers point towards Mark Andrews still continuing to be a tight end one for you and not anything that you need to worry about moving forward. That That's what it boils down to. On the Patriots' side of the ball, we knew this offense was having some difficulties finding an identity, finding people who they can trust, and we knew that Baltimore Ravens' defense has gotten better since trading for Marcus Peters. Pieces that were not quite falling into place for them are now after that trade. And they've been playing better and better ever since. And coming out of the bye week, they were just ready for them. And the Patriots, they big. Apparently, their big answer to trying to get their offense going was just to go up tempo. As a result, Sony Michelle didn't play very much. One, they were down. You know, Michelle's not going to play in games where they're down by multiple scores. Now, you might not have known they're going to play down by multiple scores. We didn't like the matchup to begin with. But also, when they if they're going to go no huddle, that's going to be their That's going to be their solution until they get some kind of continuity going on offense, until that offensive line gets healthier. That's going to be their solution against tougher defenses. Don't expect Michelle to play too much because he's not going to play when they go no huddle. It's going to be James White, who had nine carries for 38 yards and a rushing touchdown in this game. It's not something you're going to see very often. He actually wasn't that involved in the passing game. Two catches, 46 yards on three targets, but he played by far the most in this game of all the running backs, and it wasn't close. Wasn't close at all. As far as receivers go, Julian Edelman and Muhammad Sanu both had 10 catches each. Edelman getting 89 yards, Sanu getting 81, Sanu getting the touchdown. On 14 targets. Now, Nikhil Harry was activated but didn't play in this game. That was to be expected. Next week is going to be curious to see what happens. Next week, we're going to see if Nikhil Harry is going to get actually worked into the lineup, actually be the starter over Philip Dorset on the other side. That's what we're going to wait to see. Now, I know what a lot of people are saying Oh, well, Mohamed Sanu, is he suddenly resurrected after a bad first week with the Patriots to fantasy relevancy? I say we'll see. This This game is not enough for me to suddenly be like, you need to start Muhammad Sanu as a PPR wide receiver three from here on out. It's not. This was a game script that we haven't seen the Patriots be in most of the year, which is behind by multiple scores. I still think this team can only really support one wide receiver from week to week, and that's going to be Julian Elliman. Yes, another guy is going to have a decent day normally speaking, but knowing who that's going to be, especially with Nikhil Harry coming back, I don't think we're going to have any clue. And I don't think it's automatically going to be Mohamed Sanu. So no, this one game does not make me say Mohamed Sanu needs to be a perennial, or, or sorry, not a perennial, but a weekly starter. Not at all. Now, we'll wait to see. Should he be rostered? Sure. But let's wait to see what happens with Nikhil Harry. And we're going to talk about him in the waiver wire segment as well. So that wraps up the recap for the Sunday night football. We'll come back on the other side. We'll take about the Monday night football game, and of course, we'll have the waiver wire report just after that. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is now partnered with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Unwrapped Sports Network has a top-notch sports blog covering all sports all the time with a team of talented writers. You can also visit their podcast page to listen to this show and several others covering multiple sports. Sign up for their newsletter and never miss a thing at unwrapsports.com. Again, that's UnwrappedSports.com. Fantasy fans and Dallas Cowboy fans alike definitely took a deep breath at the end of that game in Monday Night Football. I mean, it looked very, very shaky at best for the Dallas Cowboys and their fantasy players. Look, Ezekiel Elliott was fine throughout the game, finished with 23 carries, 139 yards. Uncharacteristically was not involved in the passing game, but really the only thing he did not do in this game was score a touchdown. I'm not going to worry about Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, and he had a great game in, in this one. What you expect him to do against the New York Giants. He'll get the passing work back. You know, he's right there along with Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook moving forward as the top three running backs in fantasy football, right right up there next to Leonard Fournette right now with the amount of work that they've been getting. So that's what you're looking at with Ezekiel Elliott the rest of the way. We know that. And he was good. But the question mark was, where was Amari Cooper? Where was Michael Gallup? Where was Dak Prescott? I mean, these guys were playing abysmal football for Pretty much three and a half quarters. Then all of a sudden, the defense turns it on. They get a couple sacks, get a couple turnovers. The offense gets sprung to life. Amari Cooper goes for a 45-yard touchdown and finishes with four catches for 80 yards on seven targets in this ball game. Not exactly the big stat line you would hope for going up against the New York Giants, especially in a game in which it wound up being close for most of it. But you're going to take the production nonetheless he's going to be. He's gonna continue to be a wide receiver one for you moving forward. So you're not worried about it. The guy I am a little bit concerned about is Michael Gallup. Now, he had the touchdown, which salvaged your fantasy day. But on six targets, only two catches for 33 yards against the New York Giants. He hasn't really been that great since his first week back. I mean, since his first week back from his injury, that is. That's really the last time we saw him put up a really good, healthy performance. Since then, he has been involved in the offense in general a little bit less, but also just has not taken advantage of some of his opportunities. He's had a couple of drop balls. He's had some tougher situations thrown his way. Hasn't been as involved with Amari Cooper being back and, and fully healthy now. So Michael Gabb was a guy that I was pretty much starting on a consistent basis as a wide receiver three because he was a, he's a perfect guy for that. You know he's going to get six to eight targets, which that stayed true. But you also knew he was a guy that could possibly get you a touchdown, was involved in the offense where you get you the big plays. Now he might be matchup-based for me. Now, not that this wouldn't have been a matchup that I would have played him, because I would have. And he did, like I said, he salvaged your day with a touchdown. But it's not something I'm going to sink my teeth into. A little worried about his usage as of late. A little worried about his performance as of late, where now all of a sudden he's not that bona fide top-end wide receiver through for me anymore. Knock him down a few spots. So it's going to be more of a matchup-based thing from here on out. It just this offense isn't putting up the production that it was in the beginning part of the season. And that, that's never been more obvious than with Dak Prescott. 257 yards, three touchdowns. It took him a while to get going. Prescott's going to finish as a QB1. There's no, there's no issues there. He's going to finish as a low-end QB1 at the very least. But his prospects of finishing as a top-five quarterback really were dependent on him continuing to run the football. He's run less and less as this season has gone on on a consistent basis. Now, that could still, in a game, quick turnaround a game in which they get pushed onto the field in which they actually have to feel more competition to actually score to be able to keep up. That's all true, but it's going to be very matchup based when he runs. Not that you're going to be benching Dak Prescott, like I said, he's still going to finish as a low end QB1, so you're not worried about anything there. But if you're hoping that he was going to be able to finish as a top five quarterback and that you had a steal in your hands, he's going to have to get back to running the football for that to happen. I haven't seen that be the case when he doesn't have to. Where it did look like he was starting to really use his legs as a weapon earlier on in the season, it's been less and less so. So just kind of keep your eye on that if you're thinking that maybe you have to go on a matchup-based thing. I don't think you do. I would, I would still start Jack Prescott every single week. But if you're chasing points, just keep that in mind. On the Giants' side of the ball, Saquon Barkley, 14 carries, 28 yards. You don't like to see that. Now, this is a good Cowboys defense, and this is a defense that is getting healthier. So it's not a huge surprise to see them be able to perform well here. But this is down the second week in a row where Saquon Barkley's actually been a little inefficient on the ground. So offensive line's an issue. Teams are starting to tee off on Daniel Jones. They're not afraid of his arm. They're making him they're they're daring the Giants to have Daniel Jones beat them. It's kind of like the Eli situation all over again. And right now they're doing it without Sterling Shepard. And I don't know what's going on with Sterling Shepard. I from what I've been told from inside sources that there's a possibility, not a likelihood, but a possibility that he's going to be out for the rest of the season. He looked like he was on track to play in this game suddenly late in the week on Sunday. In fact, they decided to rule him out after everyone expected him to return after what he was able to do in practice. Pat Shermer comes out and says that, you know what, he's not comfortable with it. He thinks it's a real serious injury. They think they're doing this in the best interest of Sterling Shepard, the player. So I don't. we don't know when he's going to be back. While he's gone, Golden Tate's going to be a high-end wide receiver three, especially in PPR leagues. He's going to have a volume. A floor that you're going to be able to sink your teeth into every single week, no matter the matchup, because someone has to get thrown the football. He had six targets in this one. That's probably on the low end of what he's going to see without Sterling Shepard in any one of these weeks. And he didn't have a big game overall, but PPR points, you guess you 10? You'll take that. Six catches, 42 yards. He'll have better games. The volume alone will keep him fantasy relevant week in and week out, especially if Sterling Shepard is going to be out for a long length of time. The other guy that helps is Evan Ingram, and he kind of needs it right now. Daniel Jones is not looking for Evan Ingram in the red zone the way that Eli Manning did. And what you kind of drafted him to be. You didn't just draft him because you knew he was going to be one of the top pass catchers of the team. You drafted him because you figured he would be the number one red zone of this team. Red zone target, I should say. That hasn't been the case. Now, it's not like anybody in particular has taken over that role and become that red zone target. But it should have been Evan Ingram and hasn't been. We'll see if they can get that turned around. But Daniel Jones isn't looking for him as much in those situations so the tight end position, so putrid, it's not like you're going to be benching Evan Ingram, but you are disappointed with his performance and with the way they've played, I don't know if I can offer you any insight as to them having a possibility to turn it around. Other than Evan Ingram's a really good player and he should be a red zone threat and he should be utilized that way, but I don't know if there's going to be any natural style of play changing to reflect that he could actually put up the numbers you were expecting him to put up in the first place. Daniel Jones continues to be terrible. I mean, throwing the football. Period. He ran in this one. He's still not a streaming quarterback by any stretch of the means. You're not going to you're not going to count on him running 54 yards like he did in this game. It's not something you're going to count on. And he's just right now, he's serviceable enough to get the ball to Evan Ingram and Golden Tate enough times to give them a high floor. As far as good opportunities go, I don't know, you don't love it. I know some people want to know about Darius Slayton. He only had one catch or six yards in this game. Look, Slayton is going to be strictly a boomer bust wide receiver in a plus matchup if Sterling Shepard is not playing. Those are the parameters. And outside of that, you can't play him. And even then, I'm only playing him if I'm, you know, if I'm suffering from injuries or we have the bye weeks coming up and he's got a great matchup. Like the New York Jets, for instance, next week. If I'm really hurt by bye or injuries, and I got I have to pick up Darius Slayton, you could do worse in that kind of a matchup. But it has to be under those circumstances. Daniel Jones is not somebody you can trust enough to be able to sustain three pass catchers. And with St. Quan Barkley back, essentially being the dominant pass catcher, and he was in this game, eight targets, six catches, 67 yards, that's targets. Darius Slayton's going to have to hit a home run on a, one play, and that's going to be his fantasy value. So you're taking a lot of risk there, which is why you have to pick your pick your spots. That pretty much wraps it up for the Monday Night Football game. We'll come back on the other side after this break with the waiver wire report. The MD's Fantasy Football Show is proud to become a new member of Overtime Heroics, Overtime Heroics is a fantastic sports media platform for sports fans all around the world to come and participate in their extensive forums. And now with the merger of the Land Sports Network, the website will soon have great content available from extremely well-written articles to entertaining and informative podcasts from all sports for you to enjoy. All you have to do is register for free at OvertimeHeroics.com to participate. Again, that's OvertimeHeroics.com. It's time for the Waiver Wire Report! Now, we actually, like I said beginning of the show, we have a lighter Waiver Wire Report than we did a week ago. And it's light enough to the fact of that I will probably not do a Sportscaster video. Again, if I did, it would probably only be like a five-minute video or so. I typically only try to do videos that I have content for about 15 to 30 minutes for. So this will probably not be on there later. I will be on Sportscaster later on the week, though with the rankings and the injury report like I normally am. So don't worry. If you look forward to those video streams during the week, I will have those later on in the week for you. And, of course, I'll make sure I have the rankings up for you Thursday afternoon, www.mdffshow.com, so you can check that out there. Make sure you're getting in all your fancy questions to me, too, over the next couple of days. Remember... I will select a few to get shout out on the show, show some love for the fans, on top of the fact that I will answer any question thrown to me. Even if I don't select you to go on the show, I will make sure that you get a good, insightful answer to help you with whatever dilemma that you may be facing for your fantasy football squads. Remember, we're a month away from the fantasy playoffs. We have four games left to make your final moves to either make the playoffs or hold on to and win your division this year. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're looking for. So it's crunch time right now. Big time. For everyone involved, everyone who still has a shot for the fantasy playoffs, it's do-or-die time. Month, last month right here. Final four-game stretch before we hit those fantasy playoffs. So that's what it's all about. That's why the waiver-wire report gets even more and more important as the season goes on. And we have an important one, even though it's not a beefy one. Kick on off with Ronald Jones. It came out today, and this is why I didn't put it in the latest news segment because we were talking about it today in the Waiver Wire report. It came out today. When I say today, I mean Monday afternoon. Remember I'm recording most of this month late Monday night. It came out that Bruce Arians is finally saying Ronald Jones has, quote unquote, earned the job, earned the right to be the starter to get the majority of the reps. He did a week ago. He scored a touchdown. We talked about that in yesterday's episode. If you didn't catch yesterday's episode, make sure you go back to it on any one of your favorite podcast apps, Apple Play, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, Pinecast, wherever you want to go for your podcast needs. The MB's Finney Football Show is widely available to you. And What we have there, what we talked about there, was the fact that Ronald Jones may have had a good enough performance for him to finally take the job. Now, what I also said was to make sure that you realize no one, neither one, Peyton Barber nor Ronald Jones, has value until one of them gets deemed the majority workhorse ball carrier. It sounds like finally the coaching staff has decided that's Ronald Jones. Now, why does it take them until now? to decide when they're pretty much out of the playoffs. I don't know. To me, the only thing that makes sense is that maybe they're holding out hope and now that they feel like they're pretty much out of the race after losing to Seattle at this point, that maybe they'll just play the young guy. They'll just play Ronald Jones, see what they have moving forward. That may be the mindset they're in by making that move now. I mean, look, I'm not a Ronald Jones fan. I don't think he's very good. I don't think he's a very talented running back. I don't think he's a guy that, frankly, will be the starter either next year or the year after. I mean, he might get one more chance if he has a decent little run here. I think we're going to find that out this season. But I really wouldn't be surprised if he's not the starter next year. Or if they do give him a chance, it's the following year where they move on. I just don't think he's that talented. But I do think he's more explosive and has a much better ceiling than Peyton Barber. That much is for sure. So don't get that twisted. And frankly, in a Bruce Arian system, if he's going to get the majority of the work with the way this offense does move the ball, I mean, say all you want about Jameis Winston, say all you want about all what do you want about that offensive line—they score. They've been in positions to score. They've gotten goal line carries to the running backs. They've been—they've been able to be efficient because everyone has to play the pass so hard against them that there's lanes open just naturally, even though they don't have the best offensive line. This is an offense has been putting up points. Nonstop this season. They've done essentially what you've expected them to do with Bruce Arians and those offensive weapons. They have. They keep losing games because their defense is terrible. They keep losing games because Jameis Winston typically, not this past week, but typically has had turnovers in the very wrong opportune times of the game. But they've scored. So if that's going to be the case, if Ronald Jones is going to be that starting running back, he's a guy right now on average across all the platforms, which remember that's how I do the waiver wire segment, is I take all the major platforms and average them out. So that way, when you're listening to this podcast, no matter what league you're playing in, these are guys that should be mostly available to you. He's 40% on average owned. So he's available. He's he's available in 60% of those leagues. He's available to you. He should be a guy that's one of the number one guys picked up this waiver wire, use a priority on him, especially with these bye weeks coming up, man. Weeks 10, 11, 12, brutal bye weeks. You're going to need flex plays. You're going to need starters at all positions that you wouldn't normally go for. This is a guy who could really have some tremendous value for you for the next three weeks. Remember, Tampa Bay's already had their bye week, so he's going to be available for you. And if he catches fire, if he's a guy who has some consistency, this is somebody who can follow you into the playoffs. So I would use... Half of whatever my, at least half of whatever my fad budget is left on a guy like Ronald Jones. I typically wouldn't do that, but in this situation, I would. He's one of the few times, especially right when we're about to make our final pushes for the playoffs, a guy who could really help you over the next four weeks, try to get there. Go all out for Ronald Jones. I wouldn't use 100% because over this next month, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know who's suddenly going to become available. I want to have something left in reserve just in case, but I would go 50%. I would. I would use my priority. Next guy I want to talk about is Kenny Stills. 40% owned. I know. Two weeks in a row. Disappointment. But how is it any different than Will Fuller? How is it any different than the home run threat that you knew you were taking? The boomer bust option that he is. He's filled that role fine. He's gotten his five targets each of those games. He had four catches, 53 yards. A little bit of a better game this week than he did a week ago. We didn't expect him to get his big home run threat this game against a team that plays predominantly covered three zone. We talked about that. Kenny Stills is still a guy to me, they're going in their bye week this week, but coming out of it, 11, 12, he's a guy to me you're going to be able to plug and play and take some shots with in certain situations. He can be a home run threat for you. He can be the guy who wins you the week, but he's going to be a matchup based guy and just be smart about it. I will let you know when I'm big on Kenny Stills that week. In case if you need a guideline, that's fine. But look, he's somebody who should be owned. He is a valuable wide receiver. How he's still only forty percent on average owned right now? It's a little mind boggling to me, quite frankly. Devontae Parker, thirty six percent owned on average, definitely should be picked up. Now he's somebody that he has he's jumped up because remember two weeks ago when we we're doing the waiver wire report, we talked about Devontae Parker. He was only thirteen percent owned. Now. He's 36. So there's been a huge increase, but he's still less than 50% owned, still well less than 50% owned at 36% owned on average. So this is somebody you go ahead, you pick him up. Preston Williams is done for the year. That news came out today too. He had a great game. It was really a shame to see him go for two touchdowns and all of a sudden have a knee injury that knocks him out for the rest of the season. But that's what it is. As long as Pitt factors keeps being the starter, which I see at this point, they probably, he probably will be the rest of the year just because they actually won a game. He's going to keep throwing 50-50 balls, and now Devontae Parker, who's already getting a decent amount of targets sent his way as it was even with Preston Williams on the field, will probably get even a larger share, most likely moving forward. So Devontae Parker, you're, you you got a guy who's probably going to get a safe a safe 8 targets a game. And that's a safe estimate at this point. With the way he's been playing, he's been playing pretty well. With the jump balls he's been getting, with the red zone looks that he's been seeing, there's no reason to think Devontae Parker can't be a guy that you can play as a wide receiver three moving forward. So definitely look to pick him up. He's only 36% on average owned. Next guy I want to talk about is A.J. Brown. Now, I've been talking all year that A.J. Brown's not only better than Corey Davis, but with Brian Tannehill, being that he actually plays in the slot more, I like A.J. Brown a hell of a lot more moving forward. I do. He has the big body for the red zone. He's explosive. Like I said, they line him up all over the field. They don't just keep him to the outside. They'll put him in the slot too. And I really think... As these weeks go, he's going to be the favorite target of Ryan Tannehill moving forward. He's somebody in certain matchups against Kansas City Chiefs, for instance. Being that he likes to line up in the slot, being that they'll move him around, I think he'll have a good game. I do. There's certain games you're going to be able to plug and play him as a flex play, as a high-end wide receiver for with touchdown ability. That's going to be valuable for you for the next few weeks. So at 19% owned, he's somebody who I'm looking at. Zach Pascal, 20% owned on average. I talked about him a couple weeks ago, too. He is somebody, to me, who has now emerged as that second wide receiver behind T.Y. Hilton that the Colts seem to trust. Now, Jacoby Brissett, that was something I actually I meant to talk about that in the latest news at the beginning of the episode. I kind of actually forgot about that one now that I'm talking about it now. I meant to mention that, too, because we did get news about Jacoby Brissett. The MRI, overwhelmingly positive, came back MCL sprain, and... It's a minor enough sprain that he's not even ruled out for this week. There's a possibility Jacoby Brissett could be back right away. Even if he's not back this week, he could be back the following week. So we're waiting to see if T.Y. Hilton comes back. But in the meantime, Brian Hoyer is a competent backup. Brian Hoyer can keep the fantasy-relevant players of the Colts fantasy-relevant. Zach Pascal scored a touchdown this past week with Brian Hoyer with no T.Y. Hilton. So it shows you all you need to know. Zach Pascal, 20% owned. He has emerged as a second wide receiver for the Colts. So even when T.Y. Hilton's out there in certain matchups, he's another guy to me has entered that higher end wide receiver four category where you can look to play him in your flex. Or if you play in three receiver leagues and you need a guy who's so, because he's out on buy, he's somebody you might be able to throw in there. And know that he at least has a solid enough of a role that you can go to. Now it's matchup based, and we'll go through it each week. But yeah, he's a guy I'm looking at on the waiver wire. Next up, Dekeel Harry. Talked about him in the recap, you know, just a few moments ago. 18% owned on average. This guy is a stash. He's a mustache. He could wind up being the number one red zone target for the New England Patriots when he comes back. He has that bigger body type. That's the role I could see him easily filling into right away. And being that he'll be lined up on the outside predominantly because Edelman and Snoo will be doing their thing, he's going to be in that situation. He's going to be in that role. He's the guy I think you could find him in. So I'm at least picking him up. There's at least that opportunity there. You might not want to play him right away until you get a, a good sense of exactly what his role is going to be and that's fine but he's definitely somebody who I would pick up because he could be a league winner in the fantasy playoffs if he gets the role that I expect him to get which would be that red zone guy on the opposite side on the perimeter for this New England Patriot team look they they let go of Josh Gordon because Nikhil Harry was on his way back That should tell you all you need to know about what they think about this young guy, what they think he could possibly do, what they think he can bring to the table. And believe me, before the playoffs, they're going to want to get him going so that way he has confidence heading into the playoffs. That pretty much wraps it up for my main waiver wire report. I have some honorable mentions. Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, just handcuffs of that nature all those guys still less than 50% owned, still should be owned by their respective owners. Still are guys that if you're in a great playoff situation, you want to just take a flyer and a stash because you have an extra bench spot, do so. So just guys like that to keep your eyes on as well. You don't want to use priority or fab on them or anything like that. You probably just want to let waivers clear, but there's somebody to keep an eye on if you have an extra bench spot where you can just stash a guy. Just, just a little tidbit for you there. Those, those handcuffs are still widely available. That's gonna wrap up the show for today. I hope you guys all enjoyed it. As always, I love recording for you guys, and I'm gonna be back on Thursday with the preview episode for you as we head into Week Ten. Gear up for our Thursday night football game. We should be a good one, as far as especially for fantasy purposes, right? you got the Chargers and the Raiders. There's a lot of fantasy players involved there, so we're gonna have that the preview along with all the early Sunday afternoon games, and of course, then we'll be back again on Friday with the latest injury updates, with all of the rest of the games, the late afternoon, Sunday night, the Monday night preview. And, of course, we'll have mailbag segments in both of those episodes as well. Make sure you're following me along on Twitter at MDSFFshow show for all the player news update notifications and also ways to contact me. You can also do that through Facebook too at mdFF show you can contact me through email through the website www.mdffshow.com and also check out the rankings each and every week. I was told that the snafu that we had from week eight where not everyone for some reason could see it on the website was definitely cleared up. Everyone that I talked to said they could definitely see it this past week. So we didn't have any issues this time. Great. Awesome. We should be good to go from here on out. So don't worry about that part of it. Uh, make sure you're checking out any one of my networks, Belly Up Sports Network. We're doing great things there. We're out 9 o'clock in the morning answering everyone's start-sick questions. I think it went really well. Mostly had some good calls. There's always going to be that you know that 10 to 15% of answers that you give that don't quite go the way you expect them to because it's fantasy football. That's what happens. Um, Overtime Heroics. Make sure you're checking them out for the fan, for their forms, their fan forms, so that you can go ahead and write in and talk to other fans about sports that you know that you're just as crazy about. And make sure you're following the Unwrapped Sports Network, which is where I do a lot of the sports caster videos with. Uh, great content with that group there. Uh, great things happening as well. So make sure you're checking out any one of those. I hope you guys all have a lovely day. Have a good, way, successful waiver wire. And I will see you guys again on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for $40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for 2 Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Bakers, fresh for everyone. When well, Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Ooh, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. whoa Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level or on top of the world. Ah. Uh,